Well, there is optimism in the air again. Let's take it while we can. It's earnings results what done it. Uh, they've been pretty good, and with Netflix out soon, that'll probably be good too. But the same themes persist. Oil is going higher. Supply chains are still a problem. China is in slowdown. Using ha- U.S. housing starts and permits have stopped in their tracks. But equities are doing well, and a number of central banks are keen to slow things down, including the Bank of England, with UK inflation numbers out later on. It's Wednesday, the 20th of October, 2021. It's the morning call from NAB. Good morning. Well, the US dollar has lost some ground this morning. That's uh, because we've got a quarter percent rise in the euro and 0.6% rise in the pound. And the Aussie is up 0.9% to 74.8 US cents. Bond yields are still rising. 10-year Treasury is up three basis points to 1.63%. German 10-year bonds up four basis points to minus uh, 0.11%. 30-year is up six basis points in Germany. And yields on government bonds in Australia and New Zealand have eased back a little after their big rise yesterday. US stocks are doing really well. Well, 0.6% rise in the NASDAQ. The S&P is about the same. The Dow is up 0.3%, uh, about the same for the Eurostox 50. And commodities still up, generally. I mean, WTI crude uh, up well over 1% at one stage, but it's lost some of that now. It's about 0.6% up, dipping back just below $83, but it went well above that today. Brent now over $85 with a 1% rise. Uh, so that's still happening. Ray Atrell is here today from NAB in Sydney. So equities doing well. Bit of, actually, it's a bit of a risk-on mood, isn't it, uh, strangely? But, I mean, that's some of that is because we had some fairly good earnings results, so I guess that explains the equities, although we also saw with Procter & Gamble um, they are facing a margin squeeze. I mean, they're, you know, a big uh, provider of household consumables, you know, they you, we all wash our hair with them and uh, wash our dishes with them and uh, shave our faces with them. Uh, lots of stuff moving around, so all those supply chain issues, uh, they're feeling it and they're feeling a margin squeeze. That's right. Good morning, Phil. Yep. So uh, you know, we haven't really heard that from, from many of the uh, of the reporting companies so far, but I think the you know, but freight costs, um, you know, they have actually started to peak a little bit, freight costs, but, um, you know, they're still you know, a, a multiple of where we were um, a year ago, let alone before the start of the pandemic. So um, clearly having an impact on those firms that are unable to pass on those um, those higher costs to the end consumer as cashed up as they continue to be. But, um, but as you say, generally earnings are good. We've had uh, Johnson Johnson, we've had travellers both coming out um, comfortably beating their earnings estimates. And so that just adds to mm. the you know the vast majority of, uh, of US companies that are uh, continuing to beat their, uh, their, their pre-earnings release estimates. I think that's um, that's one of the factors. We've also seen a little bit of a, a pullback in um, the front end. You mentioned that the bond yields are high, and you're right, 10-year treasuries are at a new four-month highs, 163, um, looking at the screen at the moment. Um, but the story really for yesterday, and I think the European day, was, was actually lower US yields, particularly at the front end. So there's been a little bit of peeling back on um, expectations for how soon the Fed might be pulling the trigger on, on rates liftoff. Mm. So um, that you know, that may have been a, a little bit of, a, of an auxiliary factor that's uh, that's keeping at least US risk sentiment afloat. Yeah, well, the FT today is pointing out how all the movement in the UK is on short-term bonds, not in the long-dated bonds, suggesting uh, perhaps that some people are thinking the Bank of England might be going too hard too soon and might have to retract their decision. Well, that's a big... Uh, is there a danger there? No, absolutely. I, th- I think that's a big theme. That um, And obviously, you know, we've been talking ad nausea about the, the flattening of the US curve. So as the market's been bringing forward its expectations 
conditions for US rate rises, and you could apply the same logic to the UK, you know, those back-end yields have fallen back on the view that you know, the earlier the start, the or the earlier you start, the, the sooner you finish and potentially the lower you finish. So uh, there certainly is something to that. But um, we've actually seen the US curve re-steepening. But I think that, um, you know, the, the dollar has certainly been been struggling to go still higher. The US dollar I'm talking about in terms of that DXY index. And I think the flattening of the curve and the reduction in what we call the terminal pricing for the Fed funds rate, um, you know, has certainly had a hand in, in keeping the big dollar in check. And, and that's one of the reasons that um, Aussie has been doing well, as have commodity currencies in general, alongside the, the ongoing strength of, uh, of, of energy related commodity prices. And, um, you know, Aussie, you know, poking above its early September highs up to uh, just shy of, of 75 cents overnight. Yeah. So why is that happening? And why is it happening in New Zealand, given, you know, that, uh, uh, you know, as uncertain a future as, as anywhere? And obviously, you know, the, the China slowdown and the implications mm-hmm. that that could have. Well, that's right. I mean, you've been talking, you know, there's, there's a big, you know, there's a cloud of despondency, you know, hanging over, you know, a lot of your intros, quite rightly so. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I need to I'll, I'll try and be more optimistic from now on. I mean, the, the, the worry warts just get bigger. And then particularly mm-hmm. with China, I've just read overnight that uh, Cynic, which is one of the other big um, China property developers after Evergrande has has defaulted or Mm. certainly not made payment on a 246 million US dollar bond. And I think the week, I think it's this weekend is the end of the 30 day grace period on Evergrande's uh, missed payments on its dollar bond. So, um, um, you know, in that sense, and and the China economic news is is, is going from, I would say it's going from bad to worse. So there's certainly an air of pessimism there. But, um, you know, as far as, um, you know, what's happening with currencies, it almost seems like, you know, six months on, markets are waking up to the fact that there are other central banks in the world that might be moving somewhat further and faster than the, uh, than the Fed, to name uh, New Zealand and Norway as two. And, and, and obviously, the Bank of England seems to be all set to pull the trigger on, on a rate rise of some magnitude, even if it's only small, um, when they meet at the beginning of November. So um, it, almost like belatedly, um, some of the currency moves seem to reflect that, uh, that view that it's not just the Fed that might be inching towards policy normalisation. So if there's concern that uh, the UK is moving too quickly, the Bank of England is moving too quickly because the, you know, the economic environment isn't very good there. And, you know, we've got tax hikes coming. And in fact, you know, the, in the papers today in the UK saying, oh, we might have to have more tax hikes uh, to pay for meeting our net, ze- you know, 2050 net zero target. Uh, so that's, you know, even more money just being out of the household budget. So, I mean, understandably, there's concern that maybe the Bank of England's going too fast. But is there any concern that uh, New Zealand might be doing the same thing? Is, are the, uh, is the RBNZ in danger of retracting their path as well? Um, we don't think so. In fact, if anything, you know, the risk since those inflation numbers that we had at the beginning of the week, um, you know, RBNZ yeah. colleagues think that it's it's now a 50-50 call, whether the uh, the move that will happen in November almost certainly could be 50 basis points rather than 25. And you know, the case for New Zealand, probably more so than any other central bank to to get rates back to something close to neutral. Um, following the um, following the um, the example of Chile, of course, which has gone from 0.5% to 2.75% in three meetings wow. and have gone back to above their pre-pandemic highs. So if you want to post a child for, uh, you know, the view that, you know, w- you know, 
we're no longer in a health crisis. Well, we're hopefully coming out of a health crisis, and therefore we don't need these emergency settings. They are uh, mm. they're, they're, they're trailblazing in that respect. But um, no, they were so, fast on injections, weren't they? So that uh, maybe that's helped. Yeah, they, they had a really torrid time in the early stages of the pandemic. Certainly, the, amongst the worst in, in Latin America. But um, but things have certainly you know they've really got on top of things very very well, and, and the economy's come mm. back. And um, you know, obviously, also they're you know world's biggest copper producer, and the copper price hasn't been doing any any harm to them either so um, anyway but no but for New Zealand I think you know they're, 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 you know quite rightly you know everything is in sort of overheating mode both the real economy as well as inflation which is a big contrast I think to the UK which is I think the point you're trying to make that um, you know they're being forced into a response because inflation is just so far above target but um, yeah, you know, but if Boris keeps on taxing, maybe they don't need to do anything. You well, know, that's, that's, uh, that's the idea. And, and we, we, we heard from, uh, who did we hear from Catherine Mann overnight, didn't we, again, who's, who's got this line that um, given that monetary conditions in the UK are tightening because of higher bond yields, maybe we don't need to do anything. But then you say, well, why are bond yields going up? It's because the market expects the Bank of England to tighten. So I'm not quite sure like- that logic is uh, is impeccable, but uh, but that's certainly her view. But she does seem to be in, in something of a minority along yeah. with uh, just one or two other MPC members. Now, the uh, China pro- loan prime rate, obviously, there's not going to be any move there. I mean, Rodrigo was talking yesterday about the you know the big danger there now is deleveraging, isn't it? They're not, not, not willing to do anything to encourage that to step up any more than it is already. The RBA minutes uh, yesterday, uh, they sort of did highlight the difference, didn't they, between Australia and, and everywhere else, including, you know, that wage and price pressures are remaining subdued in Australia. I mean, not many central banks can say that's happening to them, can they? No, absolutely. So uh, it's an- another attempt by the um, the RBA to say, look, what's happening in the rest of the world isn't happening here. Um, you know, so arguments ranging from, you know, what, where were we, you know, at the start of the pandemic in terms of how far away were we from our objectives, particularly with respect to inflation, uh, but also just the lack of evidence, certainly at the aggregate level, of the kind of wage pressures that we're uh, we're seeing in New Zealand, we're seeing in the US, and we're seeing in the UK, for example. Um, you know, so another attempt at, at pushback there, but um, you know, really to no avail. They have made some attempt um, via their uh, somewhat arcane operations in the repo market, which we won't go into huge details, but they have, you know, reinforced their view that they don't want the um, that April 2024 period, which is where they originally set the three-year bond target, you know, that had gone up to sort of 0.15 something percent against the 0.1 targets. They have pushed down on that. But um, yes, and I've seen the ECB's Philip Lane has also been out overnight making exactly the same argument as, as the RBA Governor Lowe, saying he doesn't really understand, you know, why the market doesn't believe they're signalling that uh, you know that they're not going to be in a position to raise rates, um, you know, based mm. on their outlook for um, you know, for a lot longer than the market thinks. So, um, well. Yeah, even though they do have inflation, but it's transitory inflation. And a lot of it is oil, which brings us very nicely onto the fact that oil and gas, in particular for Europe, I mean that it's going still higher. And Russia again, reiterating overnight that Europe won't get any more gas from them uh, if they don't sign off on the Nord Stream two pipeline, which is all built and ready to deliver. Uh, so that and you know the substitution for oil is pushing oil prices still higher. I wonder where this is going to end. But, uh, well, the, the one thing I think we can probably say with a degree of confidence, albeit forecasting is hard, as we often say, is that it's very hard to see the conditions where we're going to see a significant fallback in, um, you know, in oil, gas or coal prices for that matter, uh, particularly coming into the, uh, you know, the Northern Hemisphere winter, unless we have a particularly mild winter, you know, or dare I say it, you know, the global economy, you know, 
you know, loses its grip on the sort of, you know, the, the upswing that we've been anticipating, which to some extent, obviously, those expectations have already been hurt by higher energy prices. But, um, you know, were we to see, for example, the US economy not firing, you know, nearly as strongly, and I do note that the Atlanta Fed's latest, what they call now cast of the US economy that they put out an hour or so ago is down to just 0.5%. That's an annualized rate for the third quarter. So, um, you know, the best hope for, uh, for, you know, for lower energy prices may well be weaker demand. But um, but in general, I still think the supply-demand imbalance is, is going to keep those prices pretty elevated for some time to come. And it's hit, it hit housing starts, hasn't it, there? Uh, you know, even though it got incredibly low interest rates and you would have thought housing would be going gangbusters, particularly as we come out of lockdown, but that, that sheer cost of labour and materials uh, means that we've seen the housing starts falling, plus the uh, August number has been revised down as well. Uh, quite a drop in, uh, in 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 that number, even, even though there's quite a few houses under construction, but mm-hmm. it, it's it's falling off a cliff, it seems. Well, it seems to be. I mean, housing has been the, you know, during the, you know, certainly going into the pandemic in early stages, housing was the, was the big, you know, success story. And obviously, it was part of that sort of structural shift in terms of, you know, demand for moving into the suburbs or even outside the suburbs because of the new work from home ethos. But, um, you know, but certainly, the, you know, the market does seem to have choked somewhat, doesn't it, as far as, uh, you know, the, the new supply that was coming on stream and other factors so yes so what starts down 1.6 percent and more telling perhaps building permits were off um 7.7 percent on the month um, yeah. dramatically wow. weaker and obviously that's the best leading indicator of, of near-term starts so it does suggest that the downtrend is going to continue for a while yet well people will just have to stay in the house they're in and watch netflix uh, what a great segue that is because that's uh, they're out in, in, in the next hour or so in fact you possibly some people will be out by the time they get around to listening to this podcast but it's truly be very good squid game uh, 11 million viewers that one's had this korean show i don't know if you've seen that i haven't seen it yet still big... still get to, to find the time to, to, to catch up with it and i'm not even sure i want to but um, i suppose no, I'll, it's not... I'll have to so um, i've seen some politicians here bill shorten and uh, and barnaby joyce all exchanging barbs based on Squid Games last night, which was pretty excruciating. I don't don't think either of them have watched it, but um, they're pretending (laughs) that they have at least and trying to make a joke about it. They're down with the kids. That's what it is, isn't it? Look, the uh, the beige book is out tonight. And anyone who says they're down with the kids clearly is not down with the kids. That's my philosophy. Uh, The beige book is out tonight in the United States. uh, So that's going to give us a bit of local color on the the state of the economy over there. CPI data for Canada. And this is going to be interesting, isn't it? For the UK later on, could this egg on the Bank of England even more? Uh, Well, quite possibly. And obviously, Andrew Bailey, the Bank of England governor and certainly those remarks that uh, were reported out of the G30 meeting at the weekend has just reiterated that the bank's view in no uncertain terms is that um, you know inflation is going to go higher before lower but interestingly just looking at the consensus expectations um, they've actually got their core or um, CPI measure or certainly their HICP measure um, coming off a little bit and also the, the headline RPI number coming off a tenth but I think that's uh, temporary still very elevated levels in the three to four percent range and, um, um, and then we've got Canada as well, but uh, I've just totted up the average of their three core measures is expected to be pretty much unchanged, but again, above uh, above the Bank of Canada's target, so it won't do anything to uh, arrest expectations that at least further uh, bond tapering is in the offering from uh, from Canada if rate rises are, are more of a story for, for next year, unlike mm. in, in the UK, where it seems that uh, we're set for a rise next month. Yeah, it does seem inked in, doesn't it? There, there's another squid reference for you there. Uh, that's it for today. Catch you soon. Thanks, Ray. Thanks, Phil. That's it for the morning call for today. I'm Phil Dobby for NAB. Back again tomorrow morning. See you then.